I was listening back to old episodes of the show, not even that old, like some of them are fairly recent, like from February, March, just one of them I wanted to revisit the Pontypool episode for whatever reason, you know, it's just, it happens. And I kept finding, wow, man, I really was shitting on Zack Snyder a lot. Like, I don't know why even, like apropos of nothing. This is all, of course, before the Snyder Cut came out, before I actually saw it. So now, there's fucking, like, hours and, like, hours of recorded evidence of me fucking shitting all over Zack Snyder. And now, I'm going to spend, like, an hour and 45 minutes to two and a half hours, like, 30 minutes of which are gonna be basically me sucking his dick. Like, what the fuck? This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to go through this. Is Zack Snyder the space pope? Alright, welcome to The Illegal Screen, guys, a podcast about weird pop culture, the NBA, and where the two cross over, or where we think that they should. I'm Liam Green, and unfortunately, Brian couldn't be with us, had to handle some family business, but you know what? We can't always stop for that, so we're going anyway. We got a big old episode lineup for y'all. Back to a little more of the classic screen style after we had an interview episode and uh which was more restrained and then the absolutely bananas mailbag which is by god i'm proud of mike for that one so here we're tackling a big topic a dark topic one you might not expect or even want our show to cover but you know we've hinted at it for some time brian has grumbled in the margins about it, you know, when we've been talking about other things, like generally to do with the movie making process and studio interference, whatnot, when that comes up in a movie we're talking about. And so it's time to kill that bear, that fucking bear called big budget comic book movies. While it might not immediately seem readily apparent, as we'll see later, they also tie into big budget sports. Now with me to help navigate these dark waters i have a very special guest heavy metal scholar amateur herbalist hater of the fender Jazzmaster american acoustatronic devoted houston astros and rockets fan and the inventor of dope smoker friday it's our friend theo aka at punished malaise out on these twitter wilds theo how you doing man hey um you know doing pretty well just uh Finished up moving, so still kind of getting used to that. But uh, yeah. besides that, you know, it's good. Wild time to be alive, but you know, how are you? I- I'm been good. I have to tell you though, up front, I fucked up. I didn't do Dope Smoker Friday. Ooh, well, I hey, know. You know, it's I know. Uh, you know, I, I, nine out of ten doctors recommend, but you know, I guess you talk to that tenth no, doctor, and he might say you're, no. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely uh, right. I'm the failure here. It makes you feel any better. I, I had like a pretty shitty day today, for being honest, and I did do Dope Smoker Friday. Some things, even the incredible stoner metal album Dope Smoker by Sleep cannot quite hold back. So we're going to get right into some emo violence, and I've been trying to find a way for us to approach this topic for a while. In part because, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, 
It's one of like comic book movies, like the Marvel movies, especially are really one of Brian's. They've become one of Brian's bet noirs. Like I would say a good, like five out of 10 angry react texts that I get from Brian periodically are about him stumbling across some idiot with some Marvel take or some awfulness, like furthering, like further revealing how much Marvel has just like, especially now that they're under Disney, just permeated and like saturated the whole media, pop culture, everything landscape. And it, it just drives him nuts. And I understand though, but I can't really claim sole responsibility for this idea by any means. In fact, Theo more or less inspired it because I was in one of the Twitter group chats we chill in. Theo happened to mention he was watching the John Milius film Red Dawn, which is uh, basically, you know, a bunch of high school kids end up becoming a guerrilla force in the wilds of a small town while Russia has invaded America. And also, it seems like with them have come some communist Latin American countries. Mixed bag. Not long before this, other folks in these same chats mentioned that they had been talking about how much they hated one of the new Marvel shows, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now this, in turn, led me to a dark thought odyssey where I wondered what it would be like if Milius directed a, a Marvel movie or a miniseries, whatever. For those of you who, aside from the mention of Red Dawn, are baffled let's start by talking a little bit about john milius wait things here wait what's that no i want this intro fuck hold on i'm I'm getting a temporal pincer movement from universe b i think that's brian okay um so i'm not available today uh because i am being transferred from one black site to another uh complex process of course um and on top of all of that i've also sprained my left leg and wrist and shoulder and right shoulder and right wrist and right knee and back and i'm now immobile and i can't do anything john milius uh what an interesting man john milius is one of the only celebrities i've met i saw john milius at a grocery store when i was visiting a friend in los angeles and i told him how cool it was to meet him in person but I didn't want to come off like a douche and bother him and ask him for photos or anything. And he said, oh, like you're doing now. I was taken a little aback by this and all I could say was, huh? But he kept cutting me off and going, huh, huh, huh? And closing his hand shut in front of my face each time he said, huh? I walked away and continued with my shopping. And I heard him chuckle as I walked. And when it came time to like pay for my stuff, I got up in the checkout line. And I saw him trying to walk out the front doors with like 15 Milky Ways in his hands and stuffed into his pockets without paying. And the cashier at the counter, she was really nice about it and professional and was like, Sir, you need to pay for those first. At first, he kept pretending to be tired and not hear her. Like he kept looking around him and he's like, what, what, what? But eventually he turned back and he brought him to the counter. When she took one of the bars and started scanning it multiple times, um, he stopped her and he told her to scan them each individually. And he's like, to prevent any electrical inveterance. And then turned around and winked at me. I don't even think that's a word. Inveterance. After she scanned each bar and put them in a bag and started to say the price, he kept interrupting her by yawning really loudly until he was uh, finally asked to leave the store politely. And that's the time I met John Milius. 
John Milius is a man who likes marijuana. Um, he is most likely the basis for both the characters of The Dude and Walter Sobchak in Big Lebowski. Most people say Walter Sobchak, I say The Dude because of his uh, penchant and love for marijuana, aka weed, aka the devil's lettuce. John Frederick Milius was born April 11th, 1944, as uh, a prolific screenwriter, um, a director, and also producer of Hollywood movies. Uh, he wrote the first two Dirty Harry films um, and of course got an Academy Award nomination as screenwriter of Apocalypse Now. He wrote and directed some awesome films actually that I think a lot of people would be better off for seeing in all honesty. Wind in the Lion is an incredible kind of epic film, uh, epic adventure film that I highly recommend. He also directed Conan the Barbarian, which is a legendary fucking film, one of my favorites. Um, absolutely worth seeing. The original Red Dawn, which, you know, take it or leave it, some people love it, some people don't. Extreme Prejudice, which is an awesome movie that I hope we get to talk about, a great neo-western. Milius is a man with a very notorious political views within at least the realm of Hollywood, perhaps not in the country at all, actually. In fact, I'd find his views to probably be more normal and probably more uh, rational when compared to like other Americans uh, when I think about it. Milius is a complex combination of a couple different political beliefs. He loves surfing and martial arts. He's into Zen stuff and uh, declared himself a Zen anarchist, which is a, a very 70s thing to do, but is also just very peculiar in its intent. Uh, and what he means by this really doesn't seem to have any sort of, um, well, it doesn't seem to really mean much of anything. Um, so he's, he's just a, an oddball. This is specifically from the mouth of Milius himself describing himself. I'm not a reactionary. I'm just a right-wing extremist so far beyond the Christian identity people like that and stuff. And they can't even imagine them. So far beyond that, I'm a Maoist. I'm an anarchist. I've always been an anarchist. Any true, real right-winger, if he goes far enough, hates all forms of government. Because government should be done to cattle and not human beings. So that's a, that's a quote uh, from our self-proclaimed Zen anarchist. Now, he's, I don't think, actually politically cogent at all in any of his views. And that's okay because it doesn't fucking matter. So if you guys remember me mentioning Walter Sobchak from Big Lebowski, some of what they're lampooning in that film seems to be Milius's own personal views and weirdly conflicting beliefs, which is also okay. Most people do have a lot of conflicting political beliefs or ideologies uh, held within them. So John Milius... He's definitely a guy, too, that has spent a lot of time studying literature. And by literature, I, of course, mean kind of your, your classics. I mean your Melvilles and Hemingways, uh, very tense, terse, uh, you know, classic men's literature in that sense. And I use that term loosely, of course. Um, but kind of the what men should read sort of aspect, of course. And um, it, it was a really interesting experience for him, given that it seemed he started writing, uh, he claims that his writing style was influenced by two things which tie into this sort of Zen anarchist mindset, Moby Dick and On the Road. So the On the Road being the Zen part and Moby Dick being 
I guess the anarchist part. It's not, though. Moby Dick's absolutely not, but you know what I mean. I'm not here to talk about books. I'm here to talk about Milius, who smokes, smokes herb, okay? He also wrote Jeremiah Johnson, which is incredible. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Jeremiah Johnson. You should, um, because it rules. And that's John Milius. Well, wow, that was... That was a surprise getting, getting that transmission from Brian. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I know how much you sacrificed to deliver that message. Uh, but you knew that we couldn't really have an illegal screen show without you. So thank you for breaking the bonds, time and space to deliver those Milius facts. Now, so like Brian said, Milius is just a singular guy, you know? Like, he has no analog, you know? The specific mix of shit that he is, you know? Yeah, he's a lunatic. Um, yes. He, he's, he's a total Absolutely. lunatic. Um, and I, I, I think it's interesting, you know, like, in, uh, in Brian's message to us, <laughs> like, uh, I, like, that, I don't think I knew until relatively recently that he inspired uh, Walter from The Big Lebowski, but that adds just, like, a whole new level yeah. of comedy to who this guy was but also tells you a lot of <laughs> other things about him like brian said that like at the end of the day it was kind of this it was like a comical lunacy it was like this guy's not ever gonna actually fucking do anything he's just this nut <laughs> that's writing these you know, yeah in my opinion, a lot of pretty incredible is, movies yeah and he did like but it's there's also like at the same time it's not really surprising that he's he spent so long on the shelf like his last movie which he did not direct but just wrote i think was texas rangers like basically some attempt to do a western with like teen movie stars like it's james vanderbeek ashton kutcher fucking dylan mcdermott Directed by some nobody named Steve Miner, and apparently they butchered his script. Like, the last thing he did that people really know about was Rome. And he wasn't even a writer on that, he, but he's credited as a creator because he did a lot of, uh, he did a lot of work in the beginning, like, the, the planning stages. So, so that's why he gets creator credit. Well, and honestly, like, any, um, any show like that owes a credit to John Milius because of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> like, absolutely absolutely so he's automatically yeah, like, gets, he's an executive producer on anything like that just automatically but before he uh sort of sort of disappeared from the scene he did a ton of work like he's best known obviously for for the script of dirty harry even though he's he's not credited on the dirty harry script but like everyone fucking knows he wrote it same with extreme prejudice um like everyone knows he wrote that movie even though he sort of disowned it um I know Brian's a big fan of that. And so what we really focused on for this was Conan the Barbarian, because that is a comic book movie, technically. The long line of Conan comic books that like stems from those, the like advent, like the pulp adventure stories. Yeah, like, it's like that 1920s. Robert Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Howard is the guy, and uh, as Brian told me, dark life story behind that dude. But anyway, yeah, no, I really, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably for another whole podcast, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, you could do a whole show on that guy, and might not, might be worth doing. Maybe, maybe that can take uh, take place along the other long promised illegal uh, screen podcasts, like the Sam Peckinpah show that's never happened. 
but it will. I swear. I just want to make a, a real quick. Uh, I want to point out that in his uh, filmography, yeah, John Milius is credited as the spiritual advisor on Lone Wolf McQuaid. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even see that. I don't know this movie. What is this? I, Lone Wolf McQuaid is a, a 1983 Western starring Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah, fuck. there's another. Actually, I really hate Chuck Norris. He's definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's the weakest link of those guys um, when it comes down to it, of like those kind of 70s, 80s, 90s action stars. Um, oh, yeah. Horror. Because like, yeah, because he's more pathetic than Seagal, right? Like Seagal, Seagal at this point is like a oh, absolutely. of himself. I mean, like, you yeah, know, even a guy like, uh, like like Van Damme that got himself into, you know, kind of a bad spot in the 90s when he was doing a lot of drugs and shit. But yeah, like, yeah. now he's like, everybody loves that guy, you know, just nice Belgian man. And in retrospect, Van Damme has some good movies. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. And so, I mean, there. What's the seagull one where he says, "I'm going to take you to the blood bank, Senator Trent"? Is that out for justice? That sounds those those ones. It's hard to remember those. <laughs> there's like there's I mean, under siege one, and then all the other one, ones where you just can't remember what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one is is really funny. It's not not intentionally so, but I, I give it I give it credit for that. And there's nothing funny about Chuck Norris. Like, I think the only funny moment is in, in his fucking career is his cameo in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dodgeball. The movie Dodgeball. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when Chuck Norris jokes were like, God, oh, dude, that. It was a bane of my existence. It's kind of funny, man. And like, I. You still. No, it's okay. Um, it was not funny. And I feel bad that I briefly probably thought they were funny like when i was 18 or so but thank god that joke died well the joke didn't die but my i was grew smart enough to realize that it wasn't funny but yeah that shit lasted for a bit it was like it was around the same time as leroy jenkins but hey leroy jenkins is funny um i stand by that so so yeah key milius movies conan of course like i just watched that recently for the first time in forever really holds up um schwarzenegger's fantastic in it because he's just doing what he does best yeah and yeah he rules at least well I'm not the hugest, hugest Schwarzenegger guy, but he's absolutely great in that. James Earl Jones. Wait, go back a second there. James Wait, Earl Jones this? is terrifying. What's this about Schwarzenegger? What, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, I, I was. I don't remember. I was not saying. Biggest, <laughs> what? Fuck. I was saying I was not the biggest. Schwarzenegger oh, okay. Guy. I just make sure I heard that That's right. All. Just James Earl Jones in in fucking Conan the Barbarian is like. I don't think he's ever been that menacing. Like he's fucking Darth Vader's got nothing on that dude in well, Conan. That yeah, because I don't think he's ever been cast to do something that menacing. Like, not really. No. Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm thinking of James Earl Jones. Like, <laughs> actually, it's funny. Speaking of uh, Milius movies, Clear and Present Danger, he plays the uh, God. Yes, what's his yes. Fucking, he's in like I think he's in all of them as uh, Admiral something or other. I know he's an admiral. Jim Greer, Vice Admiral. Yeah, yes. Yep. Yep. Um, because, yeah, because he is good in those. He's the deputy director of intelligence. No, he's. I mean, he's great at that kind of role. You know, he's just a classic actor like that. Yeah, um, yeah that's actually. I, I rewatched that one um, in anticipation of uh, doing this show, uh, Clear and Present Danger, and 
you know, we'll get into like kind of the more in-depth stuff with Milius in a few minutes, I'm sure. But like, it's very much contained right. Milius. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's because it's a PG-13. It's a little um, scotch toned down on the violence, even though Red Dawn is also PG-13. And that would not be a PG-13 today. Like, no fucking way. Yeah, they decided at some point that squibs actually weren't okay in PG-13 movies, I think. Like, cause that, yeah, yeah, yeah cause like Red yeah. Dawn is just squib upon squib. <laughs> They're just, fucking huge, the bullet holes. Yeah, yeah it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Milius yeah, loves him some it, big squibs. It is good. The action is good. And I, I also rewatched Clear and Present Danger. That was good. And I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be because I, I mostly knew it as a movie that my dad used to demo home theater when I was growing up, when I would go visit him at work. <laughs> but we really got to focus for Milius. I mean, Red Dawn is what most people know him for, and it is kind of his, I guess you would, you could say it's his magnum opus. I unfortunately haven't seen The Wind and the Lion, which sounds great, and a lot of people do uh, really talk that up, including Brian. I know he thinks one of his best movies is that one that's about surfers, the title of which I fucking forget, Big Wednesday. Yeah, actually, but I, I, have, see that. I have not seen that. You've no, seen I need to because that's he's so passionate about surfing. No, it would be fun. I just I didn't have time the time to see all of these. I have seen his Dillinger remake. It's not bad, but yeah, no Red Dawn. His crazy story of a, a World War Three crossed with a teen drama is just. It's hard to believe that it exists. You know, I feel like like you've seen it way more time, several more times than I have. So I feel like. Uh, you're a bit more qualified to even like talk about just the absolute freak show that it is. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I feel like that it fits incredibly well in kind of like it's time, like it's definitely a reflection of that. And I think that, um, you know, Milius does this whole thing where he's like, Oh, I'm a Zen anarchist. But I think that he is way more into Reaganism than he would probably like to admit, especially at that time. Like I think he very much in a lot of ways just kind of absorbs whatever the, leading conservative uh viewpoints of his time are and then puts his own label on it i don't know if he was a trump guy or not um i have no actually, idea. i don't know if he i was never <laughs> i think he has a few times said that he doesn't vote vote or at least has like skipped notable elections i'm not certain but that sounds right and you're right like it is as you've described it a bananas right-wing fever dream of just like american glory there's so much wild shit in that movie like when they're i think it's one of the russians and one of the uh latin american soldiers i am only saying that because it's never specified which country uh, they come they're from cuban and nicaraguan i believe oh they do specify god damn it well my bad um hey we're, oh, we all god, learn every day of course <laughs> well of course it would be nicaraguans because this is back when everyone thought that the goddamn sandinistas were going to take over the world or whatever which that didn't happen in part because the cia made sure it didn't but it was probably not going to happen anyway yeah. but let's not go too <laughs> deep into those weeds talk about central america now, in the 80s <laughs> oh god it's the Melius episode yeah. really went off the rails <laughs> it's it's okay i kind of knew it would and that that's fine by me frankly the crazier the better that's always our our most loved shows 
but in terms of listenership are always the weirdest ones. So no problem. So what Milius gets really right in these movies is he's a phenomenal director of action. Absolutely just expert. He just gets it so well. Like his action scenes stack up with anything, even in his bad movies, like, Flight of the Intruder, or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. The movie fucking sucks. <laughs> but action's fine. Yeah, I mean... It's all, like, that's always That was good. one of those movies that would be on TV a lot, and I'd always, you know, throw it on in the background when I was a kid. I mean, I always thought... Also, I always really thought that plane looked really cool, the Intruder. Um, I'm really... Like, it is, yeah. I, I, I definitely went through a, a fighter jet phase as a small child. I feel like all... Pretty much anyone born male does. It's going to be either... <laughs> I think it's either going to be like that, cars, or both. Yeah, or space. Yeah. Oh, dude, I would. Oh my god, like I that. want to go to space so bad. I we I went and visited the space center. Uh, I went I went to Houston with uh, with my wife for her birthday, and uh, we went and visited the space center. I hadn't been there in probably like fifteen years, and it's pretty fucking cool, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. I, I you showed me some of the pictures from it, and it looked like a great time they have like a little bit of space stuff in the boston museum of science but it's nothing like it's it's pretty small there's just like one of the one of the cone sections from one of the landers um, oh yeah it is crazy to think people got in that but yeah other things milius <laughs> gets right militarism his, like as as much as he's clearly like he's clearly espousing not autocratic but definitely right-wing principles. But the version of the military that he depicts is not, like, it's not really that noble, you know? It's, it doesn't make them look, like, no one looks good. Like, in Red Dawn, like, as that movie progresses and as the guerrilla kids, like, start to get more unhinged, like, and they, like, have to debate whether to kill a guy who who ratted them out or tried to rat them out and it's just a wild just a wild scene because like you think they're not going to do it then you think they are going to do it then it seems like it's not going to happen then fuck it happens and it's not the guy who you thought were going to do it either it's one of the side characters it's not patrick swayze right so i i think and, and i think this is this shows kind of like a lot of times this is a contradiction because I think we can just say flat out that like his what he claims to be his politics don't make any fucking sense. Like it's 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 no, just a bunch of bullshit. None. Um, yeah. And so I, I, he has an obsession with the rugged individual, right? Like that's really what a lot of this comes down to. Yes. Like you know, I watched. I didn't get to finish it, but like I was, I started rewatching Jeremiah Johnson the other day, and I got like you know probably about halfway through, and it's very much about this individual who kind of meets up with another individual. You know, um, <laughs> you think about like. Like, you know, he wrote that insane fucking speech by Quentin Joss, you know, and that's very much about how, like, you know, we couldn't rely on each other like we only had ourselves, you know. But what's it's also like this version of militarism, militarism he shows, like he shows kind of incompetent, organized, like state military. But then somehow these very individualistic people come together and form a cogent unit, which also doesn't really make any sense. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it is interesting trying to kind of like square the circle with a lot of his movies as far as like a message. And I think that's why like I think that's why calling mm-hmm. 
uh, Red Dawn, especially like a fever dream, is very appropriate because it's just like it just feels like it's just shit flying out of nowhere. It's like just fascism, fascism, fascism of like every single kind, you know. Um, I mean, that movie that movie <laughs> starts off with a school teacher getting gunned down on like the fucking soccer field. <laughs> like, I yeah, I had not seen it. Like Conan, these are movies that I first saw on TV as a teenager, and I had not seen it since then. And I forgot how fucking abrupt that was. Yeah. It was like, Jesus Christ! It's <laughs> it's nuts. What's interesting, and you know, like like yeah, we, like we've talked about, like Red Dawn is kind of his magnum opus in the sense that he really got to like let his true flag fly in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, but it's, so you're talking about like an analog, and I, I think that mm-hmm. there is kind of a weird an analog, and you're going to know the right word for this because you're um, better with words than I am. Which, if you can't tell by all the pauses, um, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about Paul Verhoeven, no worries. Um, and yes. about how like Paul Verhoeven, but it's like you know, like, like when John Milius, if because I'm, I'm assuming he saw RoboCop, it seems like a movie he would like. But like when he saw that, he was like, absolutely. You know, yeah. Oh, like, definitely. You know, yeah. uh, he, th- he thinks all that shit rules. Yeah, and like that's that's what's like so interesting about it. And it's funny because I, I don't think we get to see it to the same extreme we get to see with Verhoeven because Milius has been very reined in for a lot of his career. Like the fact that he got to do Red Dawn shows just kind of I, I think it actually shows a lot about like the culture of the United States at the time that that type of movie was like absolutely because you still make movies kind of like that and they're popular, but like that movie was a big hit, right? It was. It yeah. had to have been, right? Um, I could find the specific box office, but like I know it was a hit, and it was, and it was a like relatively well liked by some critics. Um, uh, yeah, no, fuck. It was the 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 twentieth highest grossing film of nineteen eighty four. So yeah, that's it was perfectly respectable money for its time. At like, well, no, better than respectable. So yeah, it makes perfect sense that it was huge. Well, the National Review and Reason loved it. So, oh, of course they did. It's great. It's great work. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> fucking Reason! My God. Uh, um, one of the things that I do appreciate about how dark his stuff gets, though, is, and this was really apparent to me in clear and present danger actually was he writes a movie or well he co-writes a movie i think he is uh that movie is definitely one where like people wrote different drafts and so it's thus a stew of several writers so you get stuff that's purely milius and that's like the more ruthless uh like covert actions that happen in that movie and then you get stuff that's other people then that's a little bit more sentimental. That's a little bit more, we shouldn't be fighting an illegal war. And it's like, no, we shouldn't. Wouldn't it be great if we weren't? But, and then you have the character of John Clark in that movie. He's like, but what if we fucking did? (laughs) Or, Or rather, actually, that's not quite fair to that Clark character, who I know you sort of like. Because you, because I know you were a reader of Tom Clancy books as a kid, um, as as many people were. I I kind of surprised I never did. To be honest, it's like I'm I'm very surprised that I've never read any of his books or any of Clive Cussler. Those are just like two like paperback 
like juggernaut guys that I never read. Yeah, I never for whatever reason. I never read any Custler either. My my grandfather tried to get me to read Custler and I just never got into it. Um Yeah. Just like let's find the gold. I, I think the reason why the I, I think fuck? the reason why I was so into like why I liked Clancy when I was growing up is because like so what, Clear and Present Danger is like ninety five or something like that. Yeah. You know. Um yeah. You know, those were like some of the first like PG and PG thirteen movies my parents let me watch. Were like Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present ah. Danger. Um, I, I think Patriot Games is one of the first R rated movies I was ever allowed to see. So like reading the books was like almost like kind of like this rite of passage. It's just funny now because like every once in a while I'll pick one up and read it again. It's like Jesus Christ, man, this is fucking brutal. <laughs> like it's just so and they're so long. Oh yeah, they're so long. Yeah. Like I'm a like I'm a Stephen King fan and like. I like I'm well aware of his flaws and though and one of them is that he often writes books that are too long but Jesus Christ it like I was looking at some of these uh while I was watching Clear and Present Danger and because we had watched uh both me you and Brian had uh separately watched the new version of Without Remorse which I think we all liked but it's very different from the Clancy that we know um, because it's, it's politics are not, you know, in the right wing gutter. And it's just all like all these motherfuckers. It's like 673 pages, hardcover, 859 pages, hardcover. It's like, fuck man. What were the paperbacks? Cause this is the era of mass market paperbacks. So like every, like the, the small ones that you can't get anymore. It's annoying. I used to love those. And that must have been fucking 1200 pages it's like fucking game of thrones um, yeah that must be and it's just that actually must be why millius likes adapting clancy so much um because you know like he says that one of his favorite uh stories is moby dick and you know moby dick famously yes. has chapters of just like describing bullshit and that is yeah. also tom clancy you know that that's just like oh this is how you skin Oh, this is how you take whale skin yeah, off. And Tom Clancy is whatever. like, this is how the engine of a nuclear submarine works. Here's 40 yeah. pages about it. <laughs> oh, God. Crazy. Craziness that these people existed. So, as we'll get to briefly, like, I do think it would have been fascinating if you gave if you gave Milius a Marvel movie, like, and like just thinking about what that would be like, I guess you almost have a blueprint for it with Conan. Like just, I guess you would say it would have to be a more restrained version, but it's not that far off. Well, no, I mean, it is far off. Like (laughs) the idea is not bonkers because Conan exists. All right. I'm going to hit you with kind of a weird one, Liam. Um, I was thinking about this today. We love weird shit here. And I think that actually what you're really pulling on here, pulling from here is Red Dawn. And you know the um the the Captain America the Civil War one. That yeah. that could be Red Dawn. Like I think that if John Milius was going to do one, it would be like basically turning that movie into more of a Red Dawn thing where like uh I don't remember who's on which side in that one, but um Captain America is the anti-authoritarian. Right. So he's the Wolverines. And then like you have the state, which is uh, Iron Man and all of his people. Yeah. Uh, 
and it just gets but it would just like just be insanely brutal and they would kill each other <laughs> and like somebody would betray captain america and he would shoot them in the back of the head um <laughs> yeah tom holland's getting fucking ventilated yeah like I, I, that's what i was kind of trying to think about with this general premise is like and it got me thinking in general it's like okay so like what what are the um like what what are the tenets of a of Emilius work um Mm-hmm. And one thing I realized is that there there's no forgiveness in Emilius film. None. Like Zilch. there's no room for that. Um so yeah, if you fuck up, like that's what you have to consider in the, like if anybody in any of these movies, these hypothetical Marvel movie fucks up, like, you know, it's in Disney. Right? Like <laughs> it's like sorry, like I don't care how long we've been friends for, Groot, but you know, you're going into the fucking wood chipper. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh my god like i'm just thinking that like just kind of the nature of like i mean because like you know the mainstream superhero stuff in general like and, th- and this goes for comics as well and this is not necessarily a, a criticism but it does tend to be based on like kind of a militaristic kind of framework yeah, so the thing is it's like is interesting you start thinking about a john millius like superhero movie is it works very well for his worldview because like a lot of them are very individualistic you know a lot of them do have very yes. uh stupid politics that don't make any sense um very much so as we are about to jump into shortly just in that yeah no even the ones that are pretty good well the ones that are the best and we can like i I mean we're we're already basically here so we might as well jump into it like the marvel movies that are the best to me are a all pre-disney pre-disney takeover and B, the ones that do not have anything remotely resembling politics or militarism, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, yeah. Like, I like that one a lot. I think it's a really good movie. And aside, like, it still has some of the Marvel bullshit, but, like, some, like what makes it good is that it's just a complete other world with, like, a slight connect, like a slight connection to the other shit just because that's mandatory, but it still feels like its own fully formed deal and it's fun and it's just weird. It's really weird when you think about it. It has its own color palette. And <laughs> yes, it does. It has an actual, it has an actual color palette. So thinking about how Milius would do one of these stories leads us obviously to what Marvel gets wrong about the the comic book story, the superhero story. And to just to to start off, this isn't going to be a thing where I shit all over Marvel fans whatever, like they're annoying sometimes, but there're plenty of perfectly good like good friends of mine who like marvel shit and i'm not like they're bad like like they're still obviously going to be this is not some sort of deal breaker and like if you like marvel and i don't think people are idiots for liking marvel and even the people who are stands they kind of don't know any better because of how much it's been saturated and just like shoved into their fucking heads that they like they almost don't know how to be like like they won and they don't 
realize it yet. I mean, so I I I, I can't hate them that much. <laughs> um, at least that's that's how that's where I come from. It. I'm people who have to deal with those people on a daily basis. Like I imagine if I was a like a regular movie critic instead of a sporadic weird weird ass podcaster and if these people were in my twitter mentions all the time i would probably be a lot less accepting but yeah i don't know i definitely do feel there's more worthwhile things to be upset about (laughs) yeah that and that's the other thing like like come on yeah it's it's yeah when when i was younger i used to be a lot more um shitty about stuff like that and you know as i've gotten older i've kind of stopped you know, you're going to like what you're going to like, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just don't, it, it, you know, that, that stuff is, it's made to be entertaining. So it's like, you know, I, th- I think that there's, there's definitely critiques to be made of it, but like at the end of the day, like people are entertained by it. So it's doing what it's supposed to do. I, I don't personally think it's yeah. very healthy to ever get to the point where you're standing for these like <laughs> mega corporations and like what their, uh, yeah. you know, higher ups are thinking is going to make them the most money. I think that's a little, uh, <laughs> It's parasocial. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you know, we all like our shit, you know, we all like our slop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like our friend, our friend Sulidos. He's, uh, very <laughs> he's talking about watching the new Loki show, which I've not seen and ha- have no comments on, except that I, Thor Ragnarok is one of the Marvel movies I like, and Hiddleston is very good in it. That's really all I could say. But he was literally just saying, I gotta have my slop. I'm addicted. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. At this point, I think my slop is just literally Bar Rescue. Like, I I just watch Bar Rescue all the time, which is funny because I haven't, I don't drink. I've never seen that. Um, But, oh, it's... It's just the stupidest fucking shit. I love it so much. We can talk about it some other time. I don't want to. It's like kitchen nightmares for bars, uh, right? Yeah. It's like, so there's this lunatic, speaking of lunatics, there's this lunatic named John Taffer, who is a, a, a bar science expert. Oh my fucking which God. Is <laughs> definitely real. And he goes into these like shitty bars uh, and to like redoes them to be more profitable and just like. Right. It's just, you know, the people that he's. <laughs> Like the people who are like these bar owners and stuff like that are just idiots, you know, like and as somebody who's worked in the service industry, like you kind of know these types, these people who like, were like, well, I don't want to have a boss. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's fine. But also like, you don't know how to do this shit either. So, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's just these. So shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, it's just like these, these these idiots who just can't stand being told they're wrong. You just want to have power over people. But anyway, uh yeah. It's a lot of yelling, you know. Sometimes he'll fix somebody's marriage, um, <laughs> but also like he just like the, the ideas for like what they do to the bars are just stupid. Like they're just fucking dumb. And, yeah. and like he'll be like, "Check this out! Look at this incredible thing I did! Like look at this bar!" And all the people are like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" And like, but you look at it, it's like, dude, this is the worst shit I've ever seen. It fucking sucks. Like. I, like, I wouldn't have gone to this bar when I did drink, like at like the height of it. <laughs> you know, like uh, just like throwing random Antonio Gaudi shit in there. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it's mostly Jean-Paul staged, though. Uh, oh like, yeah, I mean all that stuff. They, is. they did one 
Well, they did one in, in Austin, and like I had previously gone. Well, there, there's one they did in Austin where it was legitimately like a horrible shithole, and it continued to be, and it's gone <laughs> now. But there was another one that like they made it look like it was just like this awful bar, and like I used to go to that bar all the time, and I was like, it's not like that at all. Like the bartenders are a little salty, <laughs> but that was really it. <laughs> and they were trying to make it look like it was just like this horrible place where like you'd get like screamed at for walking in the door. <laughs> it's just like. <sighs> god that's, that's so be fun dumb. to play the part though yeah i guess um yeah um so yeah going back to marvel um i hinted at this earlier but like the, the inflection point of marvel of the marvel stuff becoming just so monochromatic or homogenous homogenous that's a better word like it is traceable to First, the emergence of the Marvel house style, like how all the movies start looking like they're directed by the Russo brothers right. now. Just that clean, occasionally briefly handheld, but mostly like just very boring compositions. And then the fight scenes are all, you can't possibly follow them at all. They're just like everyone taking all the wrong lessons from the Born Supremacy and Born Ultimatum. Like, yeah, they just they do the jj abrams fights complete mess yes yes they're very very similar um just absolute incoherence um other than occasionally like there are some moments that are like you get a good fight like um like in black panther both of the like matches on the mountainside are good oh yeah yeah like the hand-to-hand ones the first one and then the one where killmonger beats his ass um, those those are very well done, but that's because you've got an actual director, Ryan Coogler, who knows what the fuck he's doing, and he's for the problems with that movie has, which we'll get to in a, in a in a little bit. Having an actual director who has shot a coherent action scene makes a huge fucking difference. <laughs> Whereas the Russo guys, they come from you know they were best known for being the Arrested Development dudes, like for inventing the Arrested Development house style, right. like. They're not like this is not uh, this is not John Milius. This is not a guy who knows how to do action. These are not dudes who know how to do action scenes, but like they have been grant. They were granted the keys to the kingdom and like every everyone started just absorbing this blueprint of just making anodyne stuff. And that's that's how the movies stylistically became more homogenous is is that and how the commodification of it times 10,000 which obviously like Marvel was not exactly a small company before any of this you know right but being bought by Disney like just turns into a whole other level because you get like this kajillion dollar marketing budget behind it they can saturate in everything they have these cross network partnerships which is and we'll get to one of them in the sports section like just it's fucking everywhere and it's why all this stuff is meh like or almost almost all this is meh and the apotheosis of it of just all the things that are wrong with marvel currently is like really reflected in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I fucking hated so much. And I only watched two episodes of it. How in the blue fuck, Theo, did you watch six episodes of this? Uh, not very carefully. Is the answer there. <laughs> uh, 
was <laughs> edibles and uh, <laughs> that probably my, did uh, help a my phone. Bit. And it, well, it's funny too because you talk about that palette and like kind of like that 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 house style. And I think it's it's funny with the with the Russo brothers because um, that seems I don't want to get like deep dives and like critiques of all of like the Marvel sure. stuff because like I you know at the end, like yeah, I'm yeah. not out to like start fights people about it. you can like whatever you like, but. Uh, they they did make the first one they made was one that I do like a lot, um, and I think it actually kind of ties in with the Milius thing is the uh, uh, the Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, it's kind of no, like a I, spy I don't mind thriller, Soldier, you know, and like it, it actually yeah. does kind of remind me of like some of that script does kind of remind me of something you would see in like a Clear Present Danger or something like that. Um, kind of yeah. like this 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 rogue agent who the government's turned on, or you know, who is kind of trying to figure out what's you know what's going on who he can trust you know like it's it's a very mm-hmm. it, it's it does sound like in a lot of ways kind of like Amelia's adaptation but uh but yeah but then they kind of got picked up because i think at that point that was probably the most like stylishly like the most stylish movie of those you know like it looks very kind of flashy and cool yeah. and i think that's kind of how they get picked up as being the guys who started doing it yeah, all the way through. it was that one in Guardians of the Galaxy that uh, James Gunn made, and then after, yeah, after they made Winter Soldier, it just like snowballed, just nonstop. Yeah, and and I was thinking about this because, like, you know, I, I I try to put this stuff sometimes through the lens of comic books, um, and you know, there's certain comic books I've been a big fan of in my past. I'm definitely not a comic book expert by any means, but me yeah yeah but i i think there's something interesting to be said about that like there is something they've accomplished with those movies in the sense that they did kind of basically do a large event um of like like yeah you would see like i mean for instance like the uh the infinity war right like the way they did it was like in a two movie right but like the way that and, and you know like in like the Marvel um, comics, like history, that was like a huge event in and of itself. Like it went on for months and months and it was a big thing. Uh, yeah. and, and if you look at like the last, you know, how is it, is it like 15 years that they've been making these MCU movies now? Um, uh, like, uh, like canon ones. Quote about, unquote. Yeah. Let's, let's call like, Let's say about that. Yeah. Like uh, they've basically like with that last big one, they basically completed a comic book event. Um, mm-hmm. which you know, like, say what you will about it. And I, yeah, I'm definitely not personally a big fan of it. Um, I was pretty tired of it by the end, but like, it was an accomplishment to like tie all that shit together. And I think that also like makes it a little easier to be a little less critical of like the aesthetic of those movies. Um, because it's like, well, if mm-hmm. if you're doing a run, you would generally have the same artists do that run for at least most of it. You sure. know, um. It's true. But, you know, you just hope that the artist is maybe a little more interesting. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. not even getting into, like, the writing and all the other reasons why you might want to criticize the movie. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the writing is what I found so egregious about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is some of the worst shit I've ever heard. Like, and the Marvel movies are supposed to be known for, like, having their zingers and whatnot. And some of them do. Like... <laughs> Especially like, especially Guardians or like the first Iron Man. Really, all the Iron Mans. I, I kind of like the Iron Mans. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is a charming guy. Three. Definitely, definitely, yeah. With Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you're giving this. You're giving poor Anthony Mackie these 
awful, leaden, hideous lines that he has to sell. And he's trying. He's really fucking trying. Like with that monologue at the end of or near the end of the final episode. And it's like, oh, my fucking God, you just had an after school special teach teachable moment. That's literally what you did, and you did it in 2020 fucking one. What the fuck? Even if it was like the the intent of it was being, well, why are pe- people mad at the government because the government's fucked them over? And yeah, that is the thesis statement of what he's saying. And sure, I guess it's nice that a mainstream entertainment is saying that, but like it's saying it under the aegis of Disney, like the biggest one of the preeminent capitalist juggernauts like even more so than the average movie studio is a capitalist juggernaut which they are but like it's just mind-boggling it's i mean however the moment when anthony mackie said that he's captain america it was a bit lit he he sold it and i think i think it's kind of cool that he is captain america i guess in as much as i care about this shit which is not a lot but yeah, that that just really drove me nuts. And my God, if 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 Brian, I think Brian would have had an aneurysm. <laughs> like we would have no, we we would have no more podcast if Brian had to sit through Winter Soldier. I had that idea about the Brian <laughs> soundboard. Um, yeah, and we could we could kind of go down that road <laughs> a little right. more and see uh, <laughs> see where that if, takes us. If Brian was killed because of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we would. <laughs> Or, or because of some other slop that we had that, that I made him suffer through for this podcast, or vice versa. Like, that would be pretty bleak, man. We create a soundboard of either one of us and just keep the show going. God. And, and you know, actually, Mike would love it because there would be less pauses. And, like, you were talking about your pauses earlier. My pauses are a whole fucking running bit, so don't, don't worry. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll obviously uh, confess to, you know, you can either be really on and super anxious, or you can be a little loose, but maybe kind of forget exactly what words you were going to say sometimes. And, you know, I'm leaning towards yeah. the latter right now. Um. No, and I, w- I, I would agree. I think that's definitely the better option. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of that, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, shit though, um, Milius would have loved that murdering Captain America, man, he would have fucking loved that guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's a good point. Like that, that storyline of it, like I, I didn't watch everything, but I like read the Wikipedia summaries of the episodes I didn't watch. Um, so I knew what the whole story was. Yeah, that bit I guess is is kind of interesting somewhat, but yeah. But you're right. If Milius was making it, it would be like that guy would be the hero no matter what. They would he would just find a way. Yeah, he'd probably kill <laughs> I bet he would kill Bucky Barnes. Oh my god. I bet that's what he would do. He would he would kill Bucky Poor Barnes. Or Sebastian. <laughs> Poor Sebastian Stan hasn't suffered enough. My God. Hey, I mean, it might give him a chance. You die in a franchise, you're, you're at least no, got a way true. out. You're you know? free. You're free. <laughs> um, and he point. made money. so There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- and I think it's a really other... good point, though, about like just kind of there's something about like when Disney is kind of preaching what their version of that is. 
um, without even getting into like just the extensive ties between pretty much every major Marvel movie in the Department of Defense. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it, which never were more clear than in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that one and the um, Captain Marvel were both very. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty upfront. Yikes! But uh, did not see that one. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's like you said, the post twenty fifteen shit is uh just not really. I don't know, and it's also just not really something I I just don't enjoy them the way I might have five or six years ago. You yeah. know. Yeah. No. The, the, too much has happened. That's part of it. <laughs> you know, like, and like, I'm I'm not gonna go as deep into this that I I may have originally planned, but like say, uh, rewatching Black Panther, which I did because I thought that would be really interesting. I thought that would be really interesting because I had really liked that at the time for the most part. Like there were some things I didn't like about it, but um, all like altogether, I was impressed and rewatching it. It was just like, Oh no, 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 no shit. Fuck. Like even when you have good characters and I, and I will say that movie has like, it has good characters is a good, basic storyline for the most part and some valid moments of social commentary like again filtered through the disney industrial complex as we've discussed the dick if you will (laughs) that was good (laughs) fuck um yeah but it doesn't it can't save that movie because of the fact that it makes a decision to be compromised by having this weird, the CIA guy help save the, help save the country thing, even though, no, why would you do that? Like, this is, this is in a world where, and okay, maybe half the audience, more than half the audience seeing this is not going to know about like who Patrice Lumumba was. But, um, like, when, like, and that shit the CIA did in the Congo and many other places, but, like, why would that be your, why would that be your side narrative? You could have picked almost any other Marvel guy to be your connective tissue, and you picked the fucking wang bag from the CIA. Yeah, we, we brought in the real-life heroes, William. Like, we brought in... <laughs> The, the fine the fine agents at the CIA who were you know doing the dirty work that we're afraid to do I mean as far as CIA agents go I guess Martin Freeman seems like a, a nice enough guy but still yeah, I do like Martin like, Freeman Jesus um, yeah no he's, he's a great actor he does he do, he do, he makes lemonade with with his scenes I guess but yeah, well, no. So like, it plays to the kind of there's like a larger cultural phenomenon that I've seen commented commented on a lot recently, like with like big budget action movies in general. That basically the bad guy is always just like one misguided thing away from being the hero. Like that basically like right. So like you know in like in Black Panther, like pretty much everything uh, Killmonger says is 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 right. <laughs> Like he's absolutely right. More or less, everything, yeah. I mean, except that he wants yeah. to commit genocide too. Um, yeah, and that's no, problematic. I'll admit, you know, that is a problematic thing um, to sure. want to wipe out everybody but the people you like on the planet. Um, yeah, 
It would be like maybe you just so like everything else in the story can stay basically, but you you just bring in I don't know fucking any other Marvel dude to help you, and you then you sidestep this whole fucking problem. But because you didn't, the film, however unintentionally, whatever, upholds like this colonialist BS. Like it's just. Uh, it's an unforced error. You well, know? It's, and it's, it's weird when you step yeah. back and realize that what you're basically doing at the end is rooting for a coup because like, yeah, is a yeah, rightfully yeah. like, according to how the like yeah, nomination, according or whatever to happens, these rules, he's yeah. in charge. Like, and you basically yep. have the CIA helping a deposed leader, uh, yep. perform a coup to regain power. That's uh, more favorable to Western interests. Like, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. and like, if you have, um, yeah, just there's no way around it. That's that's what that's what happens. Um, and yeah, so that that's really all all I can really go to with like all I've really got left with Marvel, other than I, I'm still somewhat interested to see what Chloe Zhao does with the Eternals movie. I watched the trailer; it seemed interesting ish, and I think her winning best picture might give her enough clout to not be, to not have too much pressure from Disney. Like, I don't like, I've heard nothing about any behind the scenes, whatever. So I don't know. Um, presumably she made some presume, like she seems excited about it unless she's a really good liar. And well, I mean, she's so probably being I paid guess a she lot made of the, money. So well, reasonable excitement there. That certainly does help. Um, hopefully, she made a movie she wanted to make. Like that—that's really all you can help for. And if and if other people get these movies, that's that's really uh, that's that's the best you can do. And that brings us finally to why we're here, why we're really here, and it's what Zack Snyder gets right about this superhero shit, and that's. That's Zack Snyder's Justice League, man, except no fucking substitutes. End of part one of three. In the next edition, the Snyder Cut. If you are the dealer, I'm out of the game. If you are the healer, means I'm broken and lame. If thine is the glory, then mine must be the shame. You want it darker. We kill the flame. Magnified, sanctified, be thy holy name. Vilified, crucified in the human frame. A million candles burning for the help that never came. You want it darker. Hey, nay, nay.